It's nice to be back on the same time zone, Mike. Mm-hmm. Latency's gone. Although, to be fair, there wasn't any latency in the call, to be honest. I'm actually quite surprised about that. <laughs> it went fine. Well, I mean, look, I may have had very many things to say about Hawaii, but remarkably, in Hawaii, I had a better internet connection than I have here in London. <laughs> <laughs> so the internet connection was superior in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. To my home flat. I got back and checked the speed again. I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. This number is as small as I yep. thought it was. How? <laughs> <laughs> How can I get literally a hundred times faster internet in the middle of nowhere than I get in my apartment? But, you know, the main thing that really matters, though, is I'm so glad we're on the same time zone again. Mm-hmm. I think both of us were getting a little loopy recording yep. so far apart and at for both of us, the least optimal time to record. Yeah, it was bad. This feels so much better. (laughs) This does. This feels so much better. I could hear it in the editing of those two shows. I was like, oh, that's what I sound like when I'm crazy. Yeah, Yeah, sure. All that was was just the time of the day. There was definitely no other reason. Oh, there were many reasons, but the time of the day did not help. help. It's like, no, I don't want to be recording at that time. You didn't want to be recording at Mm -hmm. that time. But yes, so I have now exited the Pacific Ocean, flown halfway around the world, and returned home. So I'm very happy to be here. How has it been returning back to your office? Well, I had a funny experience. So we did all of the travel back at once. And I I think as I do the time tracking, from the time we started packing till the time I walked in the front door... (laughs) was 30 hours <laughs> to be fair from the way you set that up i thought that was going to be long yeah like here's the thing it's 30 hours in a row which yep. is rough yeah but then at the same time i don't know how long it took captain cook or whatever to get to hawaii from london but mm. it was not 30 hours right it may have been six months i have yep. no idea like yep. it, it is totally a miracle of the modern world that that is even possible but at the same time after 30 hours you are very tired of this and you would like it to be done but i just had this funny feeling when we landed in heathrow airport the word that my brain has been using is city stuff like oh there's city stuff again and i had the the weird experience of riding on this big long escalator at heathrow like wow an escalator right like i was i've never been happier to be on an escalator and i found it like completely charming like oh look at this this escalator in this glass tube and the whole airport it's it's made of city stuff you become like one of those people that takes a little bit too long to get off yeah i'm just i'm just looking around you know (laughs) why isn't everybody as excited to be on this escalator as i am it's like well there's very good reasons why i just keep thinking of of all of the this like minor city stuff that seems delightfully novel in a weird way to me now this is always the benefit of traveling is yeah Things are different in the place that you go. That's why you're traveling. Novelty is good for your brain. And it also makes your home novel in funny ways, especially if you've been gone for a long time. But even on minor trips, like the experience of coming back always makes the things that you're returning to novel again. So Mm. it is good to do. But having been gone for so long in such a rural environment, coming back, the city itself is really striking in my brain. And 
The other thing that I keep thinking of is just the sheer number of places I almost find slightly overwhelming. On the island, there's just not that many places. I guess, like, what do I mean by this? I mean by what could you have as a pin on Apple Maps, Mm -hmm. right? Like, what, what would show up as a dot? I was like, oh, there were just not very many dots anywhere <laughs> on the island. And this morning before we were going to record the show, I always take a walk. And so this is the first big walk that I've, I've taken since I got back. I sort of went around a five mile walk in a big loop around where I live. And 100% I passed many multiples more places then exist on the entirety of the island during that walk. And it's just like, wow, there are so many places to go. It's just very different. I mean, to be fair, this is not a massively different feeling that I get from when I go into central London, where I live in the suburbs, right? And there's places around I can go get lunch and groceries or whatever. But when, when I go into central London for something, it's completely different right like it's this whole world of its own full of people doing all these things right like there is, i can i can understand what you are saying even just from my lived experience of being in this city right everything is always relative mm. because also one of the most memorable trips i ever took was i went to hong kong a long time ago i was able to basically like sneak on a flight with my mom who was working as a flight attendant and so it was delightful because this is the kind of thing that can happen when your mom is a flight attendant she basically was like hey do you want to go to hong kong this weekend and yeah. i said sure i guess and it's like whoop off i went yeah. and i found out in retrospect she asked but basically never expected that i would say yes but i was like sure why not so anyway i went to hong kong and i remember so well being in hong kong having this feeling like oh i've never seen a city before like the density compared to new york city was just insane like it made new york city look like it was nothing Mm. so like you always have these different like what spaces are you moving between Mm. and I, i think that's good i think that's good for brains i think it's it's good in a novelty experience i just think like while hong kong made new york feel like nothing I think it'd be pretty hard unless I was going to Hong Kong to go from a lower density of places to a higher density of places on a longer trip than what I've just done now. So I've just felt like very overwhelmed with all of it. But it's been nice. Like, it's been really nice to be back. I was thinking this morning as I was walking around, places like Hawaii have, like, this is just a general rural problem. They have an issue with brain drain, this idea that... People who grow up there often move somewhere else and they don't always come back. I was just thinking about it where it's like cities are so interesting and they're so important to the human species as a whole, which is also, I think, kind of important to reemphasize after we've had this like long experience where people are like, oh, maybe I don't want to live in a city. Maybe I do want to live in a more rural setting. It's like, but it is really important that as a general piece of advice to people thinking about their careers in that transition from like, oh, I'm not a student anymore. I'm now going to be a person in the world is not applicable to everyone. But I do think it is generally applicable and good advice that when you are done with school, you should probably move to the biggest city that is reasonably accessible to you for at least a few years. This is just part of, like, what do you want to do? 
And one of the things you want to try to do is earlier in your career, maximize optionality. You want to maximize the number of things that can happen. Yep. You want to maximize the number of opportunities that exist. I mean, this is why people pay obscene amounts of money to crown themselves in one bedroom in a like five bedroom flat, right? Yeah, exactly. When they're starting out in their careers, because if you live like we're talking about London specifically, right? But if you mm -hmm. live in London, you maximize everything. You maximize the places you can go, the people you can see, the people you can meet, the experiences you can have. Yeah. By having lived in that environment. Like I know this from like some professional groups that I'm in and they're like people that work in large, like much larger, com like la huge companies, right? In the UK and media and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And it's been really interesting to talk to them during the pandemic and now coming into a different stage where we are now. And it seems like for a while they were very much like, oh no, like no one's ever going to want to come back to the office to an element of like, oh no, there's some people that really do. Mm -hmm. And or there's people that like, they want flexibility now where they can take time to go and be somewhere, mm -hmm. but they still want to live in the center and they still want to have our central office. So it's been really intriguing to watch that, like the reality in some people where they thought they wanted a certain thing in a certain way, but then they realized that once the opportunities come back, they want to still take advantage of them. Yeah, or like the way, the way I think about it is it's made sense and I think it still makes sense to be kind of in the short term to be short cities, but in the long term to be long cities. It's yeah. like, well, yeah, there's definitely a trend, but there's this thing that just happens where the more people you have around, the more things those people can do and the more people can specialize. And then that creates all kinds of different opportunities. It came up in Hawaii with a couple of people who were thinking about work and, and changing things. And you just realize, like, in an environment where the density of people is low, the options of what people can do are extremely limited. Yeah. And then I come to London and I just think, like, oh, my God, how many people are simply employed just as, like, the delivery drivers? It's, I don't know, like, 25% of the city, as far as I can tell, is employed as delivery drivers. But, like... That as a thing is a thing that just simply can't exist in a low-density right. environment. And it's also why you end up with people who are can be really specialized at their work. Where do they usually exist? They exist in the cities. So, yeah, I don't know. It's just something that's been in on my mind. That's interesting, right, that in a non-city environment, a smaller environment, you end up with, like, this. the work is this core level of work, by and large, mm -hmm. right? Like, what are the things that we need as a community to mm -hmm. sustain ourselves mm -hmm. and you know to get what we want out of life as a community but then in the cities there's obviously the luxuries right where like but that goes from gig economy work mm -hmm. delivery drivers taxi drivers all the way up to like the real thinking of thinking is the jobs yeah also like incredibly specialized jobs mm. like in london there's just a shop that's famous for just selling umbrellas right like and that's what they do it's like this yeah. is the world-class shop for you need a fancy umbrella yeah but like that can only exist in an environment where the density of people is so incredibly high or like you get those like food shops right where it's like we do this one little thing mm -hmm. like one of the popular ones which unfortunately did close during the pandemic was serial killer in uh, shoreditch which was a serial cafe <laughs> 
that was I think what you they told did. me about that. That's a great you idea. You could go there and you could get a bowl of cereal mm-hmm. and it doesn't exist anymore. They they unfortunately didn't make it through the pandemic. But they, they have an online store still. So you can still buy from them, which you always could, but mm-hmm. they shut down their actual cafe that they used to have. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, that can only exist in a place of really pure abundance, right? Mm-hmm. There's no way, there's no other way to sustain something like that. Yeah, or it's, I don't know, I'm, I feel like I'm lacking what I want to put into words here, but it's like just simply the presence of a lot of people allows those people to engage in a wider variety of activities. And that is good. Like a higher density of people makes people better and i'll say i know you're you're not not saying this but like just on the flip side that idea of the small community is like very tantalizing to some Mm -hmm. people like it is the speed of life which is really attractive and is as i am getting older that becomes so much more attractive to me oh yeah but this is this is what i mean by there's a cycle that i think it is useful for people to be aware of and that cycle is When you have finished education and are entering the workforce, it is generically good advice for you to move to the largest city that is accessible to you, whatever that means, like, you know, in your region and how far you're willing to move from your family. You should you should make that move. That's generically good advice. But then it is also the case that as your career goes on, that truism, it becomes less true. And you can start taking of the advantages in the reverse direction, where after you've established yourself, there may be ways that you can move away from the city, but still take like the advantage of the career that you have built with you. And just as someone is more established in their career or in their life, the optionality matters less because you have chosen which of these options are important to you. And then you can maximize in a different way. So, yeah, it's... You know, it's it's something also like my wife and I have discussed as well as we've thought sometimes about, ooh, does it make sense maybe to move away from London now? And we've deliberately decided that we're not going to do it in the near term. But it is a thing where it's like, oh, this starts to make more sense in a way that it didn't make sense 10 years ago. Whereas mm-hmm. like 10 years ago, the optionality of being in a big city has been hugely important in my life. But it's like that becomes less important the more established you are. And so I'm not surprised to hear that you're also having that same experience as well. You know, you also just want a bigger studio. And so you need to move further out. I don't need a bigger studio. Uh, <laughs> mega studio is sufficiently <laughs> mega. I do sit in here and look around sometimes and be like, this is, I definitely got more than I should have. <laughs> but like, I remember, I think whenever I see that, because like, I'm in a building where it's all individual spaces, right? Mm-hmm. And over the time that I've been here, for obvious reasons, there has been a lot more turnover in the mm-hmm. space so every now and then there's like a little space that's available and i look at it and i'm like really that's what i should have got right mm-hmm. like it's it's like just a place for like two people or whatever mm-hmm. but at the time there was nothing available this is all they had and so i just got it i mean i love it and continue to find new and exciting uses for this space so i'm happy i have it but it is funny you know like it, it, what something i like is there was a there's a company that was in a, a an office opposite me and they did like clothing stuff and i'm pretty sure they had like five employees mm-hmm. you know they were working on designs and that kind of stuff and it, they just looked like they were constantly on top of each other like it looked terrible for them right mm-hmm. like 
but now they've moved into the unit next door to me, which is actually bigger than mine. Mm-hmm. And I just feel really good for them, right? Because it's like they were there for I don't know six months or so, and I always felt sorry for them because like it looked like they were really squished, and it made sense they, they looked like they were starting out. Mm-hmm. Kind of like when I saw them moving in, like I said to the guy, like, "Oh, this is really great! Like, I'm happy you're doing this." He's like, "Oh yeah, like things have grown for us, and we finally got a space." And I was like, "Yeah, man, <laughs> do it." Yeah. Uh, I, t- I totally get that. When I was at a co-working space, I really enjoyed also seeing that thing where it's like, "Oh, this team starts as two people, and you watch them grow over time, and yeah. then eventually they outgrow the co-working space entirely and disappear." But that always that always felt really good to see. Like, oh. People are building things, they're making things, and they're being successful at the things that they're building. And, you know, it's real positive sum. And I've got to wonder, what do they think goes on in here? I think about this a lot, right? Because I have noticed them, they have noticed me. There was like once, there was like, I had a delivery go there or whatever, you know, so they know I exist. And Mm -hmm. now I'm next door to them, right? And it's only ever me that's coming in and out of here. And they must now especially have an idea for how big this space is. What do they think happens in this office? You know? What is going on in here? You're a product designer. That's what's going on in there. Do you know, I tell people that more now, that I work in product design. Oh, do you? Okay, interesting. It's easier than podcasting. Because if I say podcasting, I always get that like, oh, yeah, of course you do. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah, one day you'll make it, you know? Your little (laughs) hobby or whatever. Like, that tends to be the word. Oh, that's a fun hobby. Like, no, it is my profession. I've made a good professional career out of it now. But now I, I say product designer because it's just, I like it. One, I, I like it. I was actually thinking about this the other day. You know, people ask you, like, if you could do anything that's not your current thing, mm-hmm. what would it be? And I have, like, two answers for it. I have one, which is the actual answer now, which is, like, product design would have definitely been one of mine, right? Like, mm-hmm. the idea of coming up with and helping in the creation of physical products that get made and then sold. Like that has been something I've always wanted to do. And now we're lucky enough that with the support of the Cortexans, we're in a position where we're doing that. Like it's a thing that we do and and I love it. And I love coming up with ideas and seeing them become a reality. Like that would have been my answer before. Now, because I do do that, my other answer is television. I would love to do something in television, like write a TV show. Really? I've never heard you say anything about that. This is pure dream for me, which is why. Okay. Right? Like this is pure, like, if you could do absolutely anything, you already had the skills. Creating a television show and writing a television show and maybe even acting in a television show, like, I would love that. Huh. Yeah. Because I know it's not a thing for me, right? Like, Yeah, yeah, but still. It's a dream, right? Like, if I could have a dream, it would be in that world. I love hearing people talk about it and i love like just as a viewer like trying to pick things apart anyway like i've always enjoyed that hmm. so i would love to do it but it's you know i'll keep that as what little dream that i have mm. but do you have one of those by the way like if you couldn't do your current thing and it's the idea if you have all of the skills right you've just got them do you know what that would be what you would do I feel like I have a hard time like processing this question. Is there any profession in the world that you would like to do that's not your current one? Yeah, I, I don't know. I just I know what you're sort of looking for here, but I just think there's something very different in my brain when I turn this thought upon myself. It just returns nothing as mm. an answer. But I can completely understand your answer and what you mean by this. Yeah. So, well, let, me, let me throw some at you. Would you like to be a writer? Well, like write a book? 
I, I, I guess I, I think the, the problem okay. the problem with that is I, I like I know too well how miserable that would be both because a huge part of my work currently is writing. Yeah, and yeah. I, know. I have seen up close several friends write books and it's like, boy, that process does not sell itself when people write books. What about something with animals? Yeah, I, I didn't. I, it's like, I don't know. I don't know how to, like, I think that you're not going to get I'm not going to get an answer. This no. question. I can tell now. <laughs> I wanted to just try on a couple. Yeah, no. Neither I, of yeah. them worked, so. It, but hmm. that's great, though, because that means you're already doing the only thing you would want to do, you know? Well, again, I, the, the way I always describe it is that I am extremely well-suited to the work that I do. I think that, that is the best, most accurate sentence to describe well, my current situation. I mean, you have crafted your own job, so if you weren't, I don't know what you're doing. Yes, right? You exactly. know what I mean? Like, if, if the, you created this, if you're not suited for it, I don't know <laughs> what you're up to over there. But, like, yeah, it's just true. to say, like, obviously podcasting is my first choice right because mm-hmm. i did the same thing but it is that question if if i could do something else then first thing would be to make stuff and now i right. have the joy of doing that but to go back to where i was with this initially and i don't even remember how we got to it that is what i will tend to say to people now when they say what do you do for a living mm-hmm. it's product design i have to say i'm also quite grateful to the existence of cortex merch because i have now updated the it's like this has been constantly a problem in my life is Mm. telling people about what i do partly just because on like on a personal level i just loathe the conversations that come up when this happens like it's always just very awkward and weird it just never it never goes well i hate everything about it but also like i had to put it this way like at scale it can cause a bunch of problems And so it was actually very nice because the last two or three weeks in Hawaii, that was when we we really had all the family over. And so it's like the house was just packed full of people and it was great. But one of the things that was really helpful is we finally had a consistent story as a family about what does Gray do? And so like basically had a meeting of like, okay, everyone, listen. So now when someone asks you what this person does, the answer is he works in stationery. <laughs> that is the official story. And it was right. great because I had with me uh, a bunch of the Cortex products. So it's like, oh, I had the pen, I had the notebook. And so it was actually quite useful because weirdly enough, having those sort of props really sold it to the rest of the family. Like, yes, this is not really what I do, but this is what we're going to tell people what I do because it just makes everything easier for everyone and like reduces a bunch of security concerns and like other problems and and like showing people but like look i really have made a pen and i have made a notebook i think that really sold it as like oh okay we're not lying we're just we're just mentioning only one part he really does work in stationery (laughs) (laughs) and so let me tell you at least the initial testing of this worked great for like a zero follow-up question kind of answer (laughs) so if there was for any other reason a good reason for us to create cortex brand so we both had an easier story to tell people about what we do for a living yes thank you thank you so much cortex brand this episode of cortex is brought to you by squarespace the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online you can stand out with a beautiful website engage with your audience and sell anything your products services or even the content you create because squarespace have got you covered With Squarespace, you can get started with a best-in-class website template that you can customize to fit your needs. 
It is just as easy as browsing the category of your business or the type of site that you want to make to find that perfect starting place, and you can customize it with just a few clicks. One of my very favorite things about Squarespace is how easy it is to get started with something that looks fantastic, and then how easy it is to tweak it and customize it, change colors and fonts to really make it feel like your own, to replicate what you're looking for of your brand and your personality. This also moves on to their wonderful email campaigns. With Squarespace, you can encourage your visitors to sign up as email subscribers and start them on the journey to becoming loyal customers. Again, you start with an email template that you can customize and apply your brand ingredients like site colors and logo. Plus, they have built-in analytics to measure the impact of every send. But this isn't all when it comes to using insights to grow your business. If you've ever wondered where your site visits and sales are coming from, or which channels are most effective, you can analyze all of that in Squarespace. Once you've got that data, you can improve your website and build a marketing strategy based on your top keywords or most popular products and content. These are just some of the many, many reasons why I have been a very happy Squarespace customer for over a decade. Go to squarespace.com slash cortex and you can try it out for yourself. There's a free trial, no credit card required. So don't just take my word for it. Go and tweak it. Go play around with it. Have fun. Then when you're ready to launch, use the offer code Cortex to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com slash Cortex. And when you decide to sign up, use the offer code Cortex and you'll get 10% of your first purchase and show your support for the show. Our thanks to Squarespace for the continued support of this show and all of Relay FM. Great, let's do some hashtag Ask Cortex questions. Yeah. We haven't touched on these in a while and they've been building up, so I want to... I want to ask some of the burning questions from the Cortexans. Matt says, you were both really excited for focus modes in iOS 15. With WWDC right around the corner, do you actually find yourself using them still? Uh, What do you think about that, Mike? My answer is yeah. Mm -hmm. I am still using the exact set of focus modes that I created that we spoke about at some point last year, I think. Mm -hmm. So I have just do not disturb the same as it always was, right? Didn't change that. And I have my recording focus mode, which turns off basically all notifications except from Adina and also from Carrie, our VP of sales, because I figured they're the two people when I'm recording that I might need to hear from. And then I also have my exercise focus mode, which turns off 100% of everything except Mm -hmm. notifications from the activity app. Right. It's the only place I get anything. And I still use them. I use them across all my devices. I'm still using the shortcuts that I have to trigger them at the times that I want them. I would say that they built a really good foundation with focus modes, but they need to do more work on it. I want to see them continue. I hope they will. WWDC literally is around the corner. It's in like a week, which is starting to terrify me a little bit. But I'm also really excited (laughs) for WWDC this year. Is there something in particular that you're looking for out of focus modes? What I want is a better setup process. Hmm. So one of the things that I find really frustrating about focus modes right now is you have to opt in every app that you want. Right, right. I would prefer opting out apps that I don't want to notify me. Yeah, I agree. Because the biggest thing is you've set up all your focus modes, right? You've got them perfect. Let's say you add a new chat app or a new email app. You have to go in and remember to add that into all the places it needs to go. Mm. Like I would prefer focus modes to work how kind of like notifications does where like, something notifies you and you're like, oh, I don't want this here. Mm. Let me get rid of it. So just the setup process, I would like to be a bit cleaner. And if they did that, I would use it more. Just for me, the setup and maintenance of all of these things 
is too tricky for me to like you know i would quite like a like maybe like a general work or like a focused work focus mode you know what i mean like where i'm letting stuff in but not everything and i could be a bit particular about it but i don't want to set that up because then i'm having to constantly think oh i just added this new app do i want to add it to no i don't want that i want it mm. to be a little bit simpler to manage but overall i i think the feature was a good one yeah i mean i complained mightily about the previous system and yep. i've just been hugely pleased with the addition of focus modes it's it's so much better than it used to be because well, it is actually doing what you were trying to get downtime to do yes exactly it's much more in line with what i was trying to do so i'm definitely using them i would like to use more i think what you have just said though did pin something in my mind that's like yes the creation process feels like it does need to be streamlined because it's heavyweight to try to figure it out and it's heavyweight to get started with I would like to have a new mode in this way. I think for me, one of the things that I wish you could do is like on your phone and on the iPad, it's great that you can have these custom screens. One of the biggest features for me is that you can have the phone or the iPad look different based on which mode you're in. Mm -hmm. But once you start having more than two or three, it becomes very difficult to keep track of which screen is this supposed to be for when you're making these things. Like I wish you could name what those individual screens are on your iPhone or on your iPad to be like, this is for admin mode. And this is for the, instead of just like check boxes of like, yes, I want these. No, I don't want those. So yeah, I, f I find like, I think I would customize it more if it was a little bit easier to keep track of which looks are supposed to go with which devices. But yeah, I, I really do like them. And my main ones are that yeah, there's a general do not disturb. I use sleep, obviously. I have core, which is for all of like the core important work. That's the basically nobody disturb me mode. Then I have uh, like light admin. I have something for the weekend, which is like, when am I not working? What do I want? And then a, a separate holiday mode, which is slightly different of like, I'm on holiday. I need a different sort of set of things to be able to reach me. There's one little trick with focus modes that I really like though, which is you can use them as triggers on different devices so when you go in and out of a focus mode that is updated on all of your devices mm -hmm. and so you can have a device trigger based on oh that has happened you're doing this for shortcuts is that what you're talking about yeah. personal automations is i think yeah. what they call them yeah. like this is running on the device currently weirdly that is not a thing on the mac right there's no personal automations on the mac which is one of the emissions of shortcuts on the mac yeah that, that's the that's the last one i would really like to fall yeah. in line but so it's like oh if you want to change the wallpapers when you switch modes this is something you can use to trigger and to recognize like oh as a personal automation like the one that i did for hawaii and being in holiday mode is like oh i had a like a hawaii pattern background on the ipad and on the iphone of like this is holiday mode right get in the mood but i always wanted it to be on both devices and so you can have the automation just look and see like oh when we've tripped into holiday mode change the wallpaper on the ipad and the other one i was really quite pleased with myself in terms of automation is i sleep with white noise so we have like ocean sounds that play mm -hmm. which i'm sure also will be funny to mike that's like yes i listen to airplane sounds when i'm on the airplane and when i am in hawaii like we're playing ocean <laughs> sounds while oh, we're sleeping <laughs> 
traffic sounds in London. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's what I do. Doesn't everybody do that when you're driving in the car? You play traffic noises. But what happens is the sound, the, the white noise sounds of the wave, like, will keep my wife asleep forever. Like, basically, as long as they're playing, she, like, can't wake up. She has a really hard time waking up with that. And so we're just playing those sounds off of the iPad. But you can use a trigger, which was really great, of the phone, my phone knows when I wake up. Like, it switches out of sleep mode. And so I have the iPad look for that, like notice when we've swapped out of sleep mode. So when sleep mode turns off, I have it then run an automation that over 20 minutes slowly turns down the volume of the iPad. So like it gets rid of the white noise sound without just abruptly shutting it off, which can also wake up someone. That's such a really great way to do that. Like, also not just turning it off immediately. Yeah, because that's what you don't want. You don't want it to just bam, waves are gone. Mm -hmm. You want it to say, okay, repeat this loop. Wait two minutes, decrease volume by 5%, do it again, do it again, and until 20 minutes later, you're at 0%. That was one of those moments of when automating something, I'm like, oh, I'm so pleased with myself. But it took me a while to realize, (laughs) I'm so smart. (laughs) I'm so clever, yeah. But I can use that focus mode as a trigger to have stuff happen. And so I am really hoping they bring it to the Mac, partly for that reason of mm. oh it would be great to have something that i can have trigger on the mac when you go in and out of uh, a different mode but yeah so i really like those focus modes i think they're great i would like to see them improved but even if they didn't get improved i feel like it's already so much better than the old system i'm very happy with them and i think i'm going to slowly increase the number that i use over time on a similar note Jerry wants to know what apple maps updates are you <laughs> looking for from WWDC <laughs> this year. It is all you care about. So, Mike, I'm sure you have tons of things you'd love to see from Apple Maps. I know it's your favorite app. Oh, I can't wait for it. Apple Maps, the most interesting app that exists on the phone, which I literally think is true. <laughs> I don't know why you're sighing there. Look, the reason why it's so interesting mm-hmm. is because it's the place that they're clearly building their secret, not secret AR glasses project right in public in front of all of our eyes. Like they're doing it in maps. No, they're doing more, man. So this past week, they had a press release for Global Accessibility Awareness Day. Mm-hmm. And there were a few features that they added, which were very AR focused. And you could just see it. Like one is using the LiDAR and machine learning to detect doors for people that have vision problems. Oh, cool. And it can see, like, do you need to pull this door? Do you need to push this door? Is this door locked? What does the door say on it? All this kind of stuff. That's really impressive. The other is live captions, which I am super excited about. What do you mean by live captions? For video calls and media. Oh, interesting. The system will show you captions, whether you have the audio on or off. Oh, oh, that's that's yeah. YouTube does that for streams already. That's interesting. Google okay. added it to Android on the Pixel phones a couple of mm-hmm. years ago because you have to do it's all on device. You have to do it on device for speed, right? Yeah, of course. And so yeah, they're gonna add this. This all looks like it's probably gonna be iOS sixteen stuff. They like weren't completely clear, but it's pretty obvious. Mm-hmm. But they've been doing this for the last couple of years because Global Accessibility Awareness Day happens a few weeks before WWDC usually. Mm-hmm. So rather than putting this stuff in a session, they give it its own time mm. and its own press release and everybody sees it and talks about it, which is just good for these kinds of features, right? It makes mm. people yeah, more yeah. aware of them. And so, yeah, you, you, can, you can see those things and you're like, I see what you're doing, right? Like, right. I see what you're learning. I see where your efforts are. And also, 
your technology that you are building is enabling these kinds of things, mm-hmm. and these things will be really good for AR glasses. Mm. I mean, behind the scenes, listeners, I'm teasing Mike because I do sometimes harass him by sending him screenshots from my phone of like cool things I found in maps. <laughs> Look at this. <laughs> Good work, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> and I know that Mike could not care many times, but I'm just like, <laughs> he still gets, he still gets it's it. It's like things that annoy me. Like Apple Maps mm-hmm. annoys me. Like the transit stuff. Like what annoys me is they're really good at some things. Mm-hmm. But the way that they show you options of routes to choose from is so much worse than Google. For the transit options. Yeah. I haven't used that in a while, so I can't speak to I that. I will like, say, like, I want to go here or whatever. And they're not clear completely about what you're going to be doing. Just like you're going to be getting on a train or something. Like... I would have to try and find an example. Oh, okay. I know. I okay. I do know which. I do know what you mean. Yeah, some of the connection stuff. Yeah. I think though that this is one of those cases where they're slowly building towards this more, because one of the things that I did send Mike a screenshot about when I was very excited to to try it was the AR walking directions that you can do on the phone with Maps, where it knows exactly where you are and it yeah. draws little floating arrows in the space in front of you. Which even on the phone, it worked surprisingly well. But what I think is interesting is. Also, being in a big city like London, you can see them testing out some of these features. I love how they're clearly for special buildings and big locations. They are making very realistic 3D recreations of them inside of maps. Mm-hmm. So if you go browse around in London, you'll notice on their on the Explore thing where they're using all vector images that some of the buildings in London are really detailed and they're colored oh yeah i'm looking at them now tower bridge is nice and they keep adding more and more yeah like the tower bridge that whole area oh tower london's great yeah that's getting better they're adding these things in and i think that they're do like this goes hand in hand with the ar directions because i also suspect or at least this is what i would be doing if i was on that project is you can start using this to try to teach AI systems how to create these detailed abstract representations of the building Mm. because now you start to, you have a a data set that you can give them of here's all of our satellite images of, and all of our like that crazy flyover stuff they're doing with the airplanes to like measure the 3D representation of the world. Like here's all the raw data for Tower Bridge. And then here we of the humans have created what it should look like or here's the tate modern or here's the shakespeare's globe and then you can start to use that to expand to the whole world of if we give you all the data we have on any building can you do this can you recreate what it should be like this is what i mean by like i find the apple maps development stuff fascinating because it isn't just about maps it's about an abstract but very legible for both humans and for machines, recreation of the whole world. It's like, I can mm. see what they're doing. It's so cool. Sounds creepy when you say it like that. I don't understand. What's what, what's creepy about that at all? A recreation <laughs> of the whole world. I don't know. Yeah. There's nothing about that. It's like, oh, I don't know how I feel about that when you say it that way. But yeah, I agree me, with you. Okay, well, I'll narrow it down. The human-built environment. That's be- That feels better. They're not recreating the terrifying forest gulches that I could fall into in Hawaii, right? Those aren't getting recreated right now. But it's the human-built world that mm-hmm. they're recreating inside of their system. Yeah, so I, I, I legit am super excited about map stuff. I don't particularly have any, like, the actual answer to the question, now that we've gone on a huge diversion, 
I don't particularly have any features except for I may be the only person on Earth who uses their guides as much as I do, which is the way that you can tag stuff and like keep track of it in Apple Maps. So I basically put everything that's interesting to me I mark on Apple Maps so that I can always just be aware of it in the world. Mm. Like even in, I mean, just in London, I probably have like a hundred places that are tagged as something that's interesting. And if I'm ever reading a book or just, you know, you see a YouTube video on an interesting place, I just love to throw in a bunch of these tags so I'm just aware of them. Like they would never do this because I think, I really do mean it. I may be the person who uses guides most among any of the users on the face of the earth. But I would love to have some kind of feature of like, show me everything that I have put in this folder that is within two hours travel distance of my current location. Mm. I think like that might be the only feature that I would be interested in, but I would never expect that they would actually do something like that because it's just too narrow of a feature. But so I'm always excited to see whatever the Apple Maps team has cooking up. This episode of Cortex is brought to you by Wealthfront. So many people regret not getting their investments in order earlier in life, and it's no wonder why. It can feel like you have to be a genius to navigate investing. Thankfully, Wealthfront is on hand to help. The secret to Wealthfront's performance is great software. It's built to make it easy and rewarding to build your long-term wealth. Wealthfront's automated trading optimizes your portfolio based on your own risk settings, which helps you reach your financial goals without lifting a finger. They also get you automatic tax breaks that can boost your returns even when the market dips. You can go with Wealthfront's expert-built portfolios, including a socially responsible option that's designed around sustainability, diversity, and equity, or you can build your own portfolio with a curated selection of funds. Wealthfront is trusted with over $27 billion in assets, helping nearly half a million people build their wealth. And Investopedia just named them their best robo-advisor for 2022. To start building your wealth and get your first $5,000 managed for free, for life, go to wealthfront.com slash cortex. That's W-E-A-L-T-H-F-R-O-N-T dot com slash cortex to start building your wealth today. One last time, that is Wealthfront.com slash Cortex to get started today. Our thanks to Wealthfront for their support of this show and Relay FM. Question from Tony. If Gray and Mike had to switch jobs for some amount of time, who would have the better time and who would struggle more? Oh my God, what an amazing question. Yeah, I've been thinking about this question for three days. That's such a good question. I mean, Uh Mike, that's very easy because your job would kill me. Yeah. I would just die yep. if I had to do your job. There's like there's not even any question about that. I don't think you would enjoy my job. Maybe no. I'm wrong, but let me tell you, your job would kill me. The things you sometimes casually uh-huh. mention, uh-huh. it's like give me heart attacks. <laughs> you would hate to deal with the kind of corporate businessy stuff that I have to handle. Yeah. And uh, cuz I was think like so that's kind of where I you wouldn't want to cope with my job like you wouldn't be able to do it now what i was thinking is i could do what you do i would not enjoy it and i would not be good at it but like if someone was like the two of you have to switch 
I feel like I could last longest. If I was put in charge of relay, it would just be a sinking ship, right? It would be the freaking <laughs> Titanic. Just, oh boy. <laughs> you could last yeah. longer at my job. I couldn't last at your job, but no way. But I think it is very fair to say if we swapped, both companies would end. <laughs> just yours would go a little bit slower. <laughs> Yeah, what's a, is there a, like a slower moving disaster than the Titanic? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the, the, yeah, the corporate side of it would all completely fall apart if I had to do your job. Mm-hmm. I just... Oh, can you imagine if you had to do all the shows I yeah, did? I give you endless credit for the sheer number of shows that you do. You know, it's it's funny thinking about it. When I was a teacher, I almost certainly talked more during the day than you do as a podcaster but the key difference there is it was the same thing repeated many times over the course of the week right which Mm. vastly made it so much easier and you could kind of tweak it of like oh okay great i get to do this lesson five times and feel like i'm improving it slightly each of the five times and then also very importantly save that work for next year and so then you start reaping those benefits of like oh i taught this last year so it's like i may have been talking more what i didn't have that you have is the sheer amount of unique things i think your podcast schedule would just i would just be sucked dry like i had had some kind of crossover with a vampire and it's just like oh i'm just a total husk of my former self and i have nothing more to give (laughs) that's that's how i would be after two weeks of doing your job i would be dead yeah i do do an element of that right which is like things come up and it's like oh this was good and they become like segments or like things we do multiple times or do every year but they still have to all still be unique it's like it's Mm -hmm. just the idea is the same the actual content has to change like we don't do the same thing every time so mm-hmm. yeah there is an element of like you create this kind of pseudo calendar of things that you can come back to but yeah that is the the hardest part is that they all need to be original every single time i don't want to do the swap but no i would be worse at it without any doubt mm-hmm. peter has a question here which is what is one good and one bad habit that you picked up from your previous careers that you still have which I also think is a is a very good question that's catching my attention. I'm also finding very hard to answer. So you go first with this one, Mike. What's what's an answer for that? Mine are it's actually two sides of the same coin. Okay. So one thing that I picked up from working in a large multinational corporation, right, a huge bank, and most of the skill that I was able to bring forward was working in the marketing department for a number of years. The good thing that I took away from that is understanding corporations, mm-hmm. how people work within them, structures and hierarchies and the way that people talk. This has been very useful for me when working in the sponsorship side of our business. Hmm. Understanding what people's wants and needs are, like the aims that they are trying to fulfill and trying to not take some decisions too personally. Mm-hmm. And also understanding like why it can take seventy five days for an invoice to be paid, right? Like, and, <laughs> but like that not being a joke, uh-huh. right? That like yeah. knowing that like everyone's agreed to thirty days, but knowing why that isn't possible sometimes, right? That mm-hmm. like the person who made that agreement would love to be able to do it, but it doesn't work like that because it's got to go into the in tray of accounting 
it's like, oh, there are three people off in accounting this week. So it slows. It's like just realizing that like that doesn't mean you are being personally affronted, right? Yeah. And that everyone had the best intentions when we all signed this contract, but understanding that realistically things don't always work that way, mm. you know? And they, so knowing that that's the way that things kind of move, because I used to have to do this, right? So like someone would send me an invoice and I would send it to accounts payable and never thought about it again. Right. There's just like a level of understanding of the structures that is very helpful to me. The bad side of it is how frustrating I find corporate speak. And that never left me. And I still hear it. I still see it. And it really grates on me. Why does it grate on you? Or like expand on that? I wished people would just say what they mean or what they want to say rather than trying to hide it. Yeah. Isn't that the purpose of corporate speak, though, is to obfuscate what they're actually trying to say, even yeah. from themselves sometimes, I think? Well, that's it, right? <laughs> I just wish people would would get rid of it. And I know I fall victim to it like everybody, right? Because it's a cha- sometimes language just changes and we co-op these things. But like the amount of emails that I have received in the last three years that have been some form of like in these trying times and due to the current situation i I just wish people would just be a little bit more open and to say what they mean rather than for the best slash worst one that i ever got somebody sent to me i I honestly couldn't believe that they've written this like hope you're staying positive and testing negative (laughs) and i wanted to shoot that email into the sun like i just wanted to like (laughs) What could I do to get rid of it? It's safe to say I, I, I did not proceed with any kind of business interaction with this individual. Mm. This was one of those emails I was talking about from before, you know, these emails that I just get because I'm on these lists. By the way, someone sent me something recently. Mm-hmm. A friend of mine forwarded this to me, I think because of these conversations. So one of the things that we were talking about a bunch was like these people that are trying to book guests onto our shows, right? Right, right. This was a person who was going out to podcasts to be like, hey, I am a guest booker. Mm -hmm. These are my services. And they would charge $1,500 a week. Oh, my God. And then when I saw that, I was like, oh, so now I know why this in so many emails. Right. Because that is an obscene amount of money for what that job is. That is absurd. Yes, it's completely absurd. Which is sending spam to people. Mm -hmm. Now I have a better sense of why they sent me so many emails. (laughs) I was just trying to think about the... um... I can't quite remember it. I feel like George Orwell has some line about people who don't use words, but they're using phrases like you're complaining about. They speak as though with sections of prefabricated homes. Like that's what, like that's oh, kind of what that is. Man, that's beautiful. Orwell was pretty good with words. That, I, like I don't, I don't remember the exact quote. That man, he knew how to put a sentence together. You know, he what knew I how mean? to put a sentence together. But yeah, he has, he has some line that that I'm um, the the gist of it really struck me of like oh it's it's not sentences it's sections of prefabricated homes that are just coming one after another and and that's like i feel like that is a lot of what corporate speak it's like it's weird samey infrastructure like it's not actually words to communicate particular meanings i found the quote here oh oh yeah what is what is it Uh, so like the lead up to it is orwell writes that this is a common problem in current political writing quote Prose consists less and less of words chosen for the sake of their meaning and more and more of phrases tacked together like the sections of a prefabricated hen house. 
And <laughs> house makes it even. I will better. say. Yeah. I was gonna say I, that's again like the skill of someone who can write like that is hen house gives that a completely different meaning than Hans. Yes, yes, right? it does. Yeah, it makes it so much worse. Yeah. It makes it so much worse. And that is a beautiful sentence that's going to stick with me for a while. Yeah, there you go. That's there's like corporate speak is falling into that same category mm-hmm. as, as like, oh, it's this it's weird kind of infrastructure. Infrastructure for a hen house. That's, that's not even a custom hen house. And it is one of those things which like super unfortunately is just, it's changing language mm-hmm. which is i find it a shame but it is what it is anyway so that's that's mine where i feel like the one good and bad habit that i picked up from my career is about corporate communication for me mm. yeah I, I i still i still wanted to talk about language because i feel like i'm i need to stall for my answer but uh the, like the because <laughs> well because I, I think part of the reason that that question caught my attention is the the bad habit is the much more interesting part of that question. But just in being human, I think your own bad habits can sometimes be less obvious to you. So like I was trying to think about that and there's nothing that that jumps to mind. And this isn't really a habit, but I think something really good that has stuck with me that came out of my previous career as a teacher was... Again, this is a little hard to articulate, but what I want to try to express here is that, like like we were talking about before, you have these different phases of life, right? And you start out and you're a kid and you're not responsible for anything. And like, that's what being a child is, is like, you're an idiot and everyone else is responsible for your actions, but not you. And, you know, then you start going to school and society tries to civilize you from being like this little monster into a person who can tie his shoes or whatever. And as you go through school, you're growing up and you're becoming more of a person. And then you leave school and you go out into the real world and you still have this transitionary period where... You're new at the job, and so people can still treat you in a less serious way, but you're still in the real world. Mm. Like, I have a very particular moment. It wasn't really anything, but, like, for me, this was really defined as, like, a moment that it just really struck me as, oh, this is real now. Like, everything is is serious. There's no playing around anymore. You know, we're not bowling with those inflatable things on either side of the runway, right? It's like... No, no, this is this is the real world. And I would translate this as like it helped me really become serious in Oh, are are you are you seriously trying to go out on your own and become self-employed? Are you being serious about it or are you doing things that feel like they're working towards this goal but they aren't really? Mm. And the thing that really struck me about it is it's like, hey, guy, well, you'll know every day if you haven't been serious enough because you're still coming in here to the school to work. And it literally took me years. I mean, probably timeline wise, it still took me like five years to actually go self-employed from that moment, maybe four years. But it was just a realization of like, this is really for real in in, you know, like these moments in life where you just kind of you have a mental change or you realize like now this phase of life is fundamentally different than the things that have come before. That's something that's really stuck with me. And it's a framework that I tend to apply to a lot of things. 
let's put it this way. Like you see a group of people and they're, they're trying to achieve objective X. And a very important question is to ask, are these people actually serious about trying to achieve objective X, no matter what it is? Mm. And I wish I could like articulate in, in more precise words what I mean by that. But it's like something that I got in this moment of like a real clarity of like this group looks like they're trying to achieve objective X. But if you were serious about it, what would you do? Like if they want to have a world where like X doesn't exist anymore, are the steps they're taking the steps that you would do if you were serious about making a world without X as soon as possible? In the same way that when I was working as a teacher, the question is like, what do I really need to do so that I wake up one morning and I don't come in to work as a teacher because I am actually supporting myself through self-employment. Like there's lots of things that can look like you're working towards that goal, but they're not serious. They're like play acting towards it in, in some way. So yeah, I, th I, I think that's not exactly like a habit or something, but it's a kind of change of mind that, very clearly happened and has definitely carried forward with me and is something I think about a lot of like, am I being serious about this thing or like, is this person serious about this thing that they claim that they're interested in in some way or another? And the answer is very frequently no, <laughs> but like, that's a different topic. I can kind of see how that spreads across the good and bad, right? Where like, it's good for you to be able to realize that in yourself Mm -hmm. But it could be bad because you would maybe be more quick to judge someone on whether they are making that decision for themselves. I don't think it is bad to make that judgment. I think it is informative to make that judgment right. about what the situation is. I do also think that it has come up on the, the show many times. Like, I'm not the best with people, hmm. but there's a there's a way in which, I don't know, maybe, maybe this, is, this is helpful for, for people who are like me where... You come across a person and like they're working on thing Y and they claim that they're very interested and serious about thing Y. But you judge that like, oh, they're not actually doing the things that if you sat down and like wrote them all on a piece of paper, like what is the most cost effective per unit time thing that you should be working on in order to do this? Like they're not doing any of the things that are at the top of that list. They're doing all the things that are at the bottom of that list. Mm -hmm. It's not a it's not a judgment that that like that person is bad it's just a kind of like oh okay well they're like they're just not serious about that mm. and and that's that's fine I, I don't know i find it like it's helpful whereas it, it would be more frustrating in a way to kind of like take them at their word that they really mean this it's like no but you don't you're you're just acting as though this is a thing that like you're very interested in fixing this problem but it, like it doesn't actually seem that you're doing any of the things that would do that so yeah, I don't know. I think it's just, it's a useful framework that I can't articulate any better than just this simple word of like serious or do you really mean it? And there's some kind of objective measure in the world that would be different about it. You know, like maybe uh, going back to that thing about writing, it is such a, it's such a dumb joke, but it always stuck with me. There's like a really old joke from Family Guy about Brian working on a novel. And there's like all these yeah. clips of Stewie giving him a hard time about like the novel he's working on. Yep. And that encapsulates like people who aren't serious about doing a thing. It's like, how's that novel you're working on? Right. Like, cause everyone knows with that joke 
you know people who are in these situations of like they want to be a writer and it's like oh okay do you know what writers do they write the book we've all got that great novel right like everyone's got that in them on the flip side to be quite harsh about it, it's like you know what writers don't do they don't go to classes about how to write a novel they don't get phds in english literature it's like and this is again one of these things of it's sort of obvious to say but if you just think about it for a second it's like oh how many of the great and successful writers in the world have formal education backgrounds in English and writing? The answer is like basically none of them. And if they do, they were all already writing before that happened. And like Mm. they got those jobs because they were writers. So that's like an articulation of the seriousness. Like you want to be a writer. Oh, but you're getting your PhD in English literature. Like you're immediate. You're not serious about this at all. Like you're doing something that sounds and looks like it's towards the goal, but is like, but isn't really so anyway that's a more of a mindset but i feel like that came out of working in school and trying to become self-employed and just really having this realization of like oh there's a totally objective measure about whether or not you've achieved your goal here and it's whether or not you're still coming in to work at the school and so what actually really needs to happen to change that in the real world and that's what you need to focus on if you are quote serious about accomplishing that goal which again still took me many years but i think it wouldn't have happened if i hadn't kind of like in a particular moment had this realization and this mental framing for things this episode is brought to you by linkedin jobs spring is typically a time of renewal and growth both personally and professionally As your small business grows, LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find the people that you want to talk to faster and for free. Finding people, finding people for a role can be so complicated. Where do you start? Do you start with talking to your friends? Do you post it on social media? What do you do? Well, with LinkedIn, they've got it all covered for you. Not only will they help you find the right people because they have access to just so many professionals, but they're also going to make sure it's the right person for you, which is the most important thing. You can create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Then, add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile. This spreads the word that you're hiring, so your network can help you find the right people to hire. Then, simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience, so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know that every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash cortex. That's linkedin.com slash cortex to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Our thanks to LinkedIn Jobs for the support of this show and Relay FM. So speaking about serious, you serious about TikTok? Did you actually create a TikTok account? (laughs) Did you do it? Oh, yeah. No, Mike, I'm deadly serious about TikTok because, yes, I did upload to my TikTok and I got tens of views on my TikTok. No way. (laughs) What's your TikTok account name? Oh, God, I don't even know. It has. The problem was I I went looking and there's already a bunch of CGP greys. (laughs) Yeah, I did upload to TikTok. 
I forget what the actual official one is called, but there is an official CGP grade TikTok on which was uploaded my couple of TikToks and it did terribly, which is exactly what I was expecting. I had right. no expectations in any other way. Is it CGP grade official? Uh, maybe I don't even know. <laughs> this 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 was this was like how much I didn't want to be involved. Okay, I think it is because of the two that have been uploaded, and they're like the our place one is twenty two hundred, and the towels one is fifteen hundred. Yeah, so I did I did upload those, and and also since we did the last show, what came up while we were recording, and then I just did was also joked about uploading the towels are a lie as a short since it yeah. was basically a short already so it's like yeah why yeah. the hell not this is like this is funny I, i've always kind of wanted this on the main channel anyway so let me just upload it as a short however though I, w- I will say like this is actually kind of a funny follow-up to that very concept of like being serious because so now i have two shorts that i posted the towel is a lie one is at like eight hundred thousand views and it'll probably hit a million views mm-hmm. and now again I understand. That is just a a re-upload of a thing I already do. It's 19 seconds long. Like it's, it's even in shorts land, it is really short, but it's like those SAT questions where you go like, as A is to Y, how is X to Z? As that first short about our place was to my regular videos, the second towel short is to the our place short in terms of all of the stats that I actually care about. So again, views look great, but behind uh, the scenes... I see what you're saying. Okay, right? so in all the ways that the first short performed badly compared to right. a regular video, the second short compared to even that one poorly. Yes, right. right. So the the stats that I care about for the first short were all like 120th to 130th for a regular video and this one is like a 20th to a 30th compared to the short so it's like oh my god i spent almost no time reformatting that and uploading it to youtube and my business still lost money when you think about the fixed costs (laughs) and the value of my time simply like re-uploading a thing that i had already done there's a couple of things i sort of shot while i was in hawaii where i thought like oh this could this might make like a fun short i don't know there's one in particular that could be like oh if i just spend an afternoon i could put it together so i'm not entirely done with shorts but since that conversation i have become looking into it a bit more and thinking about it more even way way more negative on shorts as a thing that makes sense to do Mm. than i was in that conversation where i was already incredibly negative it's been a tech earnings season so it made me think you are bearish on shorts right now. <laughs> uh, yes, I'm, I'm extremely bearish on shorts for for me. Like, again, I still think it makes sense depending on what kind of creator that you are. Yeah. I'm not saying it's, well, actually, actually having having installed TikTok and played around with it a bit and also watched more shorts to, to more fully understand the platform, it's like, I do kind of think that the shorts format is intrinsically bad for civilization. You know, which... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I really, I really do. Like I've, I just, you know, I, I spent more time actually thinking about it and I'm like, Oh, I'll go on TikTok. Fine. I'll install it. Like, let me see the best of what this format has to offer. And like, I'm not saying it's not entertaining, but it makes me think of, um, I don't know. It it makes me think of this fundamental property of is it a fundamental property? I don't know. Just this process by which 
you the like civilization works to refine certain sorts of experiences and i think like this is this is a refining of the i am content consuming experience mm. that is too far it's gone too far in a particular direction and i think particularly the like i am watching something that is vertical on my phone with my thumb hovering above it to swipe at any second it's like i just think it's bad i think it's bad in the way it trains your brain to uh as you said mike munch through content i was just gonna say (laughs) it's the wrong kind of munching man it's the wrong wrong kind of munching (laughs) yeah look i will say like we obviously got quite a bit of feedback from people that really yeah. love tiktok and like yeah i want you to know and like, i get it i get it I, I get it like let me like i have seen some absolutely hilarious magic tiktoks right yeah. like things that have just really made me laugh so like i'm not saying that the content is bad on there I, i'm like what i'm trying to say something slightly different which is like this this the structure of it the whole yeah. the whole way things are presented is intrinsically I, I can give i can give you an example right so this is part of why i was still looking into it a little bit more is so w- when you're making a video one of the things if, if you are making something that you do want to be widely seen that's useful to think about is you have to think about the margins on that video so for example you have things like what are called title safe areas if you want to put words on the screen you should have them within a certain boundary from the edge because if someone say is in a classroom and projecting onto the screen you can't guarantee that the word at the very edge is going to be shown all the way but you can re- be like very confident that with as long as you keep a 10% buffer from the edge they're going to see the words and so i was also doing a thing with shorts where i was thinking oh okay well if i'm going to make this stuff i need to be aware of like what are the margins for these videos so like with youtube when you hover your mouse over just a regular video, like the controls come up on the bottom. And that's a thing that you want to be aware of. Like you don't want to put anything vital where the controls are going to be. One wrong mouse move and now you can't see the subtitle. You've obscured something. Now, is that vital? No, it's not vital. I break that rule all the time, but it's still something you want to be aware of. of Like where can I guarantee information can be seen and where can I not guarantee that the information can be seen? And I started to quickly mock up on the shorts format like what can i guarantee can be seen and what can't and it, and there was i was like oh <laughs> like this is i was like totally revolted when i realized oh you actually have like this totally horrific margins for where controls are going to be and what's actually going to be shown on the screen and i was really thinking of your comment of like oh on tiktok it's TikTok and shorts and vertical video, like there's, they're so optimized for a person on the screen. Like that's, that's Mm. what this is. It's optimized for there's a talking head who's saying something, or you have an entire person's body on the screen and everything else is like almost impossible to display in a way where you can be sure that it's all going to be seen, which is also something if like it finally clicked in my head of like even the sort of I'm going to put them in like a thousand air quotes, educational videos that I have seen in the shorts format. I just think they're all kind of bad, but it's like, oh, but this partly explains why even your your ability to visually communicate stuff is really limited. So yeah, anyway, um, uh, very short shorts in terms of my own production of them. I have 
a couple more that I might try, but in my own mental framing of like constantly trying to scry the order of projects that I'm going to work on, it's like this got totally put to the bottom of the pile of like, yeah, I may do some more shorts, but only if it really happens to work out. I'm not going to intentionally spend some time on shorts Mm. compared to almost every other project, even after just two and then seriously investigating the format some more. I'm just like, I just, I think it's kind of intrinsically a bad format and it's been too refined as a product and it's gone past some marker where it is now bad. It works for some creators, right? But you've got, this is kind of what I was saying before, like, I think the energy and the way things are displayed, it's all a very specific type of thing, right? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. it's just not the area that you work in. Yeah. Like it just isn't. Like it's, it's, there is a falseness to a lot of it that I don't really think that you exhibit very much um, or would struggle to. The energy um, and stuff like that that I think is needed is just not, it's just not your speed. Are you saying I don't have that high YouTuber energy, Mike? Do you want to give it a go? I do not, no. Yeah, you go. I, went to the, <laughs> I was going to try and put you to the test there. Like, you're like, oh, you're saying I don't have it? I was like, come on, man, show me. Show me what you got. Yeah, yeah I've been thinking about the, a visual for like, like for TikTok, right? Mm-hmm. There is an episode of The Simpsons. Always comes back to The Simpsons. There's an episode of The Simpsons. I think it's one of the Halloween episodes, the Treehouse of Horror episodes, mm-hmm. where Homer is sent to hell. Mm-hmm. And the devil oh, is the feeding do- him donuts. <laughs> right. I knew mean, I'm like, it's the donut machine one yeah. Mike's talking about. Uh-huh. <laughs> Where the devil's they're trying to give him what he wants in a way that he would hate it. And he just loves that these donuts are being <laughs> constantly fed to him in a way where he barely has to do anything. Mm-hmm. And this is what I imagine TikTok is for. And again, I really want to come back to like, if you love this content, I love that you found something you like. Mm -hmm. I just know for me, like, this is how I feel about it. Like, for me as a consumer, uh, like, I don't want to just be, like, over and over and over again getting served this stuff, like, over and over. It's just not the way I want to munch content. Mm -hmm. And it works for Homer, right? Mm -hmm. And it may work for you, like, but this is just not my thing at all. Yeah. I mean, again, to bring this to uh, The Simpsons again... I understand that I can sound like old man yells at cloud here. Yes. I get that. Yep. But I, I also, again, it's sometimes, sometimes it's hard to articulate thoughts on the fly like that. This, this is why, Mike, I prefer to work in writing because yep. when you're just talking, you have to just think a thought and say it straight yep. away. And you can always have this miscommunication. Is it I who is out of touch? That's what <laughs> right. I'm thinking of now. <laughs> no, the children are wrong. <laughs> 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 there is a tendency to think that it's like, oh, so I've been on YouTube for 10 years and then TikTok comes along and there's a very easy way to go. Oh, of course, the all the people on YouTube, they don't get the new format and this is the way that it's all going. And it's like, yes, that can be true. But it's I'm also saying, like, I think that TikTok is bad and... You know, and shorts content is bad. And I guess what I keep trying to say by refine is the history of media is, oh, well, a long time ago, we used to only have oral traditions in which we would just tell stories to each other. And then we had writing and then there were books and books is what existed for a really long time. And you'll have people 
dig up these quotes where it's like, oh, Aristotle was really concerned that the kids aren't going to be able to remember anything because now we have writing. And it's like, oh, it's easy to take that metaphor to everything that's modern and Mm -hmm. to go like, oh, it's as ridiculous as Aristotle being worried that books were going to make the kids forget how to remember things. It's like, yes, okay. But so we had books for a thousand years and then we have radio and then we have TV And it's like you can start to see the refinement process happen, particularly from like written word to radio is, oh, this is easier, but you're still imagining stuff. And then to TV, oh, this is easier, but you're not having to imagine things at all in in the same kind of way. It's just like editing implications of like, ooh, what might have happened off screen, which is now a concept that exists. Mm. And then you progress to watching media on the internet, which is fundamentally different from watching media on TV with streaming services and the rest of it. And you have YouTube, which is like, I'm going to put YouTube as net positive, but it's not, uh, it's not crystal clear to me that that's true like i think i could i could have someone argue that it's not net positive and i'd be open to that argument but like watching videos on youtube while the your alternatives are a click away is a refinement of watching something on tv where you can change the channel mm-hmm. like it's the same idea but it's more and it's more precise and it's more targeted And so then switching from something like YouTube to something like TikTok is a further refinement. And at each one of those steps, you can use the Aristotle thought books were bad argument to be like, this is just the new thing. But at a certain point, a difference in amount becomes a difference in kind. And I think that shorts have crossed that line of... It's too refined. It's too much. And I think even if you like the content that Shorts is creating and the content that is on TikTok, which again, I found very funny. I think it is a bad environment for your brain to be in that the like the ability to switch is too much. Like the algorithm is too good at the next guessing of, of what it is that you want to do. And I think like a like a key marker of this is 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 also just like even when I say it that way I think people can hear it the wrong way of like oh you're just thrilled in every moment that you're watching TikTok but that's not necessarily the case I think a marker of of its bad is just the ability to spend a huge amount of time on it and kind of come away a bit like oh you know where did all those hours go I, I don't know. I just spent three hours watching things 30 seconds at a time. Mm-hmm. And if you think that's not doing something to your brain, I think you're wrong. And again, I may be old man yells at cloud here, but this is part of the reason why um, I'm also more negative on the shorts is kind of thinking like, even if I made the best versions of the things that I tried to make, It's clearer to me now that they're still existing in an environment that is just, I think, kind of antithetical to brain health. Um, (laughs) So, yeah. Clearly, we are both quite anti this form of content, right? Like, I think this is very obvious, right? Mm. And and I know that there are going to be many people who think we're wrong and I'm happy. I'm fine with that, right? Like, yeah, it's, it's fine. This, this is fine. This is going to happen, you know. And and I'm, 
I encourage people to enjoy the things they enjoy. But I agree with you. I, I think that this form of content is ultimately not good for the consumer. And I actually think it's worse for the creator. I watched a really incredible video that I'll put in the show notes that I encourage people to watch made by Hank Green, where he was going through the economics of TikTok mm-hmm. and how basically you can't make money on TikTok. And this is one of those things that we spoke about last time of like, once anyone gets super famous on TikTok, they try and do something else. Mm-hmm. Because it's just this style of content, I don't think can really work for monetization. Because even if TikTok start giving you money, right? Everybody knows, like it's the same with YouTube, like for a lot of people, for most creators, the real money is in the ads you can put inside of your video, mm-hmm. not the stuff that goes around it. And if typically the videos are short, even though they can be long, but typically the videos are short, and also they're like being served purely by this algorithm by and large, mm-hmm. I'm not sure if that's going to get conversion because you're not building relationships with the audience in the same way. So for a lot of creators. So yeah, I I just think that ultimately this is a thing that's happening right now, but I think is going to adjust. I mean, I could honestly see TikTok kind of as it is anyway, changing to become more like YouTube and less like it started. Yeah. The videos are getting longer, right? As like a thing. So it's like, yes. well, now you're just becoming more like YouTube than you were this, hey, here's a seven second, basically more like YouTube, less like Vine. Yeah, I mean, I know, and some people push back about TikTok moving in a direction where there's there's longer videos. I think the, the key defining feature for me of the two bad elements is vertical video combined with instant swipe to next Mm -hmm. that like that to me is the refinement that i think is bad yes i agree with you vertical video for a bunch of technical reasons that i think people just it's just not obvious unless you are on the creation side of things about how limiting that actually is Mm -hmm. but i think it's successful because it limits in a way which is very attractive to people which is that it makes everything very people focused yeah because i was gonna say i think vertical video is great for Instagram stories, which is, you know, and like that kind of sharing, which is like, I'm showing you something about my life. I'm showing you what I'm doing. Vertical video is great for that. But when you're creating content, as you say, it can give you a bunch of hurdles to jump through, which is complicated. Yeah. So if people are telling me like, oh, TikTok is moving in the direction of YouTube and things are longer, it's like, yeah, yeah, that's better. But I think it it doesn't get to what is my fundamental concern about this this way of of munching through content. But though I am significantly less convinced than you that it is going anywhere. It's it's like um, it makes me think. What was that? What was that? That incredibly dumb platform that popped up in the pandemic where everyone was like oh my god this is gonna be amazing i was just thinking about it i was about to bring it up clubhouse clubhouse thank you like i could see this would not work but everyone was trying to say oh clubhouse is better than podcasting clubhouse is gonna crush podcasting it's the new podcasting and i'm like i tell you what as someone who's been doing this for 10 years and have seen products just like this come and go it's not. Yeah, I hadn't seen anything like that come and go, but I I remember having a, a conversation with my mom early in the, in those days where she's always very interested in all the tech stuff. Mm. She's like, "What's this clubhouse?" And I was like, "Oh, mom, you don't have to listen to 
anything anyone says on this entire topic. I'm like, I I would bet my entire net worth that this thing is gone in two years or yeah. is like is basically completely irrelevant, which is exactly what happened. And I felt so like I would have bet everything, right? Like I am all in double down on this will not work. Yeah. But I don't feel that same way about short video even though we have had several different including vine short video kinds of projects in the past that have failed i'm less confident in saying that the short video will will go away which is also why i just just like concerned i'm concerned about this as a thing that exists in the world i don't think it's going to go away but i think that it's going to settle to something where it feels like at the moment it's like it's being treated like this is the future Mm-hmm. And I'm not convinced about that. Right. Okay. I, I would I would still take the position that I feel like I could be very reasonably convinced that this is the future in a way. Mm. And that makes me concerned would be my, my current position on it. But okay, we've got a very Mike question here, I think. <laughs> Jembo Harv wants to know, with the supply chain issues and overall complexity of launching physical products to diversify your business... Are you happy this was the right decision instead of perhaps doubling down on podcast membership or other digital products? Yes, I am happy that this was the right decision. I think that there is still an element of time to tell if this was the right decision. Okay. Because, you know, like physical products, the creation of them take time. Mm -hmm. And we have things that we've still been working on for an amount of time will should see the light of day this year right mm. and that i think as we start to put more things out in the world that's not the journal we can start to understand if we do actually have a like a solid business in our hands right that it's not mm-hmm. just the one thing but it has been complicated yes right and we did decide to do this more seriously at possibly the worst possible time that someone could decide to launch a physical product business. Yeah. I, I mean, for listeners, the supply chain is to like, it's unreal behind the scenes of just the whole world. Yeah. Everything involved in manufacturing, it's shocking what's happening with supply chains behind the scenes and getting access to materials and mm-hmm. costs. Mm-hmm. Like, it's <laughs> it's very alarming, <laughs> I, I would yeah. say. Uh, like, our paper just increased in price, the paper we use for journals we we, yeah. ordered, we just restocked the journals and the price has gone up mm. yeah which we knew this was going to happen we've actually been pretty lucky so far that the price has not yet gone up like this is the first time we've had a price increase on the actual paper that goes inside the, the journals themselves mm. but but like you know i hear people talk about this and i believe it we're actually feeling the effects of the beginning of the pandemic now yeah, this is this is more like what I expected at the start. It's slow moving. So like issues that are occurring now, right? Because there's a lot more lockdowns in China happening now that it's affecting things, hmm. you know, for, for other types of manufacturing. That specifically doesn't affect us. Our issues were more European based, hmm. but it's still this knock on effect of everything, you know. So these things are going to continue to happen for a while. But at the same time, there is kind of a joy in like, well, it can't be this bad forever. And like, 
we started doing this at what would have been the most stressful time to do this. So we've learned a lot of really valuable lessons really, really quickly. You know, mm-hmm. is that we, we jumped into the fire kind of thing, right? Like we really in the deep end on it. I still think it was the right decision because a business like this, if it works the way we want it to, can reach more people than we can necessarily reach for the show. Right. Like that's the overall goal here that Cortex Brands products will be desired and bought by people that don't necessarily care about Cortex. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think we've achieved that to a point, right? Kind of cheated a little bit in that you've produced some great videos, right? And so I believe that there are people that use the theme system journal that don't listen to the show. Like I genuinely believe that is a thing that happens now. Yeah, but that's that's totally that is totally a cheat. It's and cheating. that's not and that's not really what you mean or what no. I think about when we say that. Like that people who don't know us would use the product. But my point on that is that is a proof of concept. Mm, okay. That is important, right? That like if there are people that want the product that don't listen to the show, but do know you that's still like a step in that direction right 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 that like ultimately like eventually all we're ever doing right is like advertising the product to whoever mm-hmm. like is like the further steps so this is just like steps in that direction i think that that is still the right decision rather than just being like oh hey uh we do a whole other paid podcast now right which would probably do really great it's not just more content it's not just ad removal it's like a whole brand new show that we're doing and you can give us five dollars a month for it i'm very confident that would have performed better than what we're doing with more but i believe that would have sat in the middle of what we're able to do with cortex brand yeah I, th- I agree with that yeah so i still think it was the right decision and i am very confident in that currently yeah maybe that would have been a better short-term decision but not a better long-term decision it would have been a way better decision for the short term yeah because all of the money that cortex brand has been making for a long time has just been reinvested Mm -hmm. into that business Mm -hmm. so that's which is not a thing that would have happened if we would have done digital products because there's Mm -hmm. no cost really other than our own time where you know for a long time we were just putting our own time and effort into making money that would buy more stock Mm -hmm. and so like that is a weird short term but cortex brand has never been a short-term idea it's a long-term business idea for the two of us it's like a future we're betting on our future with it so i can't say it was definitely the right decision because Mm. we haven't hit that we haven't even got close to getting to the point where we could make that decision because you know, as you said many times, it was never about just having one product to sell. And we are like, while we have multiple products, really, we're a one product business. Yeah, it is, it is still functionally a one product business. Yeah. And that's not the plan. That's not the goal. And we need to continue accelerating from the point that we're at now, which we are working on, to try and understand this answer more fully. Mm-hmm. Um, so can't really answer it now, but I still think it's my point of this is I still think we have made all of the right decisions to get to the point that we're at at the moment to allow us to continue moving on from it. By the way, we do have a membership option though, (laughs) 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 which you can always get access to by going to getmortex.com, which gives you longer ad-free episodes of every single episode of Cortex. So you get more content, 
with no ads at getmortex.com. Getmortex.com.